Hello friends, welcome to the 8th house of astrology, ruler of occult, magic, mystery, and truth. Join me, Sarah, a developing psychic medium with a scientific mind, and my good friend Eliza, a tarotist and thanatologist, as we explore, through the lens of the tarot, the healing hidden within the deepest and sometimes the darkest corners of the human experience. inspiration that you're talking about that you received I feel that somebody might discover it and find that it's useful to their life because my as much as I enjoy reading people and helping people discover things about themselves I'm even more jazzed when somebody learns that they can do this for themselves and, and just improve your own life experience yourself through that contemplation and exploration knowing how to ask the right questions you know, and, and when I really started doing that, my own life turned around too. Yeah, so, it really does. It's a self-healing journey. So definitely, and, you know, when you're talking about how um, we are also in these healing professions, mm-hmm. I, I think it stems down to we are so empathic. Like we feel yeah. what other people feel. We work from a place of um, feeling. And I think that people who really care about other people just naturally drawn to professions yeah. that help other people. Of course, of course. And then I just I I'm so interested to know like how how you, so that sort of explains how you got into that role professionally, but then how did you meet the tarot? <laughs> <laughs> well, that was kind of by mistake. Um I wasn't looking to learn that at the time. And what had happened is I had a lump in the back of my head. It was maybe the size of a pea, but I could feel this bump on my skull and I went to the doctors and they removed it and they took a biopsy of it and sent it out and they said you know usually this takes a few days but we had a holiday weekend uh, one of those Mondays off and Fridays off whatever it would take a little longer and I was going out of my mind start thinking like what if this is cancerous this is close to my brain what do I do so Mm. I went to my favorite psychic in Connecticut Um, she's a very very gifted seer and sat with her and she says well my minimum is just half an hour so let's sit down and she, right out of the gate she says I it's, there's nothing vascular I don't see anything problem it just looks like a little gray nothing and like it's nothing but you paid me for a half an hour so what else do you want to know oh wow <laughs> and as a side note her words were exactly what the doctor told me when I went I, back I kind of sensed that yeah I could she tell said, where you're going with that like there's nothing vascular so but as I sat with her and I've had readings with her before and she's laid tarot cards out before, but I was so intent at looking at her in the past that I hadn't really paid attention to what she was looking at. And I found it really interesting to see all the cards laid out when I was, I found myself looking at the story, the pictures as she was telling them and pointing and not so much looking to her to understand her, but to look at the images to understand mm-hmm. what she was saying. And I found it fascinating how it was all just laid out one after the other in sequence. And she could tell me things that I'd been through. And there was something to demonstrate that in this little picture. And um, when we were done, I said, you know, I'd like to buy whatever this deck is that you're using. I, I want this exact deck. And I just want to look at it and see, you know, if I can do anything. Because part of the reading, she told me, you know, you can do this. What I'm doing, I can see in here that you're 
born with this, you, you know, you're, you have this, you can do this and you could help people. But I didn't really fully buy into that at the moment, but mm-hmm. I'm curious. So I did buy the deck when it was the right away. I think it was the radiant or something, but um, went home with it. And I just couldn't connect with the cards. They looked to me like coloring book cards. And I just, they sat there for a long time, a year or two, maybe, but I went back to her and had to talk with her and she reads stones as well so she went from start to finish I bought like three hours of her time I'm like I just want to I want to have just you and nothing else nobody interrupting I goes let's just talk about how to do this and she taught me how to read stones gemstones and how to give attributes and they read they can have reversals like if it has an inclusion on one side and it lands upside down you've got yourself um, a reversal of that like you would a tarot reversal or if there's clumps of things together, there's a story there. And there were bigger stones and smaller stones. So the bigger stones would be those main things like love, sex, romance, career, house, family, whatever. And then all the little stones were descriptors of them, almost like the minor arcana. Or, but neat. I find it Yeah, it was really neat. And so they'd land and you see bridges between things and sequences where it landed was where it was some and I remember at the time when Nadine taught me to read them at the end of this lesson um, a young woman walked into her store and she said I'd like to have a reading so Nadine looked at me and she says would you like to do it I'm like I've never done a reading in my life like what are you talking about yeah she said it'll be on the house you don't have to pay anything for it and this will be a good chance to get feedback oh how kind of her it was great, but here was the here was the weird thing that happened that just really like clinched it for me. So she she put the stones in her hand and she laid them out on this velvet cloth. And the first thing out of my mouth was I didn't really understand it, but it showed she was in a sexual relationship, so active, but it showed that she was really far away from him and they hadn't seen each other for a long time. And but she was committed. And I mm-hmm. couldn't reconcile with this. I'm like, I'm just going to say what I see because this really makes no sense to me. And so I told her how it says, so she's in this committed relationship, um, very passionate, but they're they're never together and they're apart and they're just I'm like separate sides of the world. She goes, yeah. She goes, I can explain this to you. She said, I live here. So she's in Connecticut. She goes, my fiance is in California. He was, he's over there in the service. And he has to be there for the next, I forget it, at this point, it was two years, three years, four years, whatever it was, but for a very long time. And she goes, and we're committed to each other. And we have an an understanding with each other. It's an open relationship when he's there. And when I'm here, we see other people, but we are fully like invested in each other. And when he's done, he comes back. And like, I had never heard of an open relationship at that point. And didn't like, so it was like, blew my head um, that the stones could see something that unique to that couple so well I love how you're saying the stones could see it (laughs) instead of saying I could see it isn't that interesting how yeah yeah. it's like this it's a medium really it's the I just really think there's some kind of energy, like almost like a mirror. I always think of it like a hologram. I gave a workshop once and we talked about, I I was interested in finding out once when I looked up and there was a YouTube video where they showed an actual hologram. So, you know, 
holograms, they look three-dimensional and it's mm -hmm. a weird thing, but when you move it, it looks like you're kind of looking around in the back of something yeah. three-dimensional. And if it's a true hologram, not one of those ones with just the lines in it, that right. like if it's a true hologram, if you cut it with scissors up the middle and then separate it, you don't have the left and the right half. It now becomes two individual holograms of the whole thing that it used to be. And it's because all the inside parts of the hologram are made up of all the little things that are the whole and it broadcasts out as one yeah, thing. Yeah, it's like a projection. Yeah, I get it. Exactly. So you could cut that thing 200 times and you would have 200 entire pictures, not 200 Interesting. put together. Yeah, that makes sense. So and it's, it sort of works like a camera, it sounds like. Yes, it's almost like. So there's this tiny thing. little lens and then it's projecting out the light yeah, is projecting. you're okay. somehow seeing the whole thing like that it's projecting and i see that as like or an I eye i mean a camera is like an eye sort of yeah a lens of some sort and it, it i feel that way when i'm reading tarot i feel it's almost like a condensation of the whole person it's the same it's like a hologram of them or if i'm reading the stones it's this energy hologram i feel like it's the microcosm and where the matter yeah yeah. And I even feel to some extent we're a microcosm to something bigger than us. That's the right, right. It gets just yeah. smaller and smaller. So um, I really find that, you know, when we see them and you mentioned like the stones or I saw or I saw it, it's kind of both happening. But um, uh -huh. seeing how if different people read different oracles, we come to similar types of conclusions based on the lenses that we use. Well, a couple of things came to mind. Um, an, another thing I wanted to bring up with, with you is that I know that you see faces and things. So I do too. Always, even when I was little. Yeah. And I Same think here. I always, I think it may, I don't know if because I'm extremely minor and I love drawing what I see, but some of the weird quirky things I see in carpets or curtains. or <laughs> exactly. I had this whole um, like entourage of people when um, I, had a little bathroom when I was growing up off of my bedroom and the shower stall was cement. It was this tiny little shower and the cement to tell you all about that. I was afraid they were going to disappear. They didn't. <laughs> thank goodness. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Knots and wood. I mean, I love seeing things that I know aren't supposed to be there, but they look so <laughs> realistic and they're, you know, I, I find that it's like a little hobby, but the day yeah. um, I got married to my current husband, he knows I go out and I'll look down and I'll just see a face and a piece of rock or something. So right. we went to this place in Florida, it was called Honeymoon Island and there's coral that's washed up all over. Oh, wow. And yeah. I will have to send you the picture. I looked down, there was this coral piece, maybe the size of a really, really small apple. And it was an old woman with the cheeks and a little smile. She had an ear. And considering I'm an audiologist, her ear was a shell that was placed perfectly where her ear was. And the way the sun hit on her, she was so three-dimensional. And I fell in love. I took her home. But to look at her today, the sun isn't oh. shining on her. Right, I can kind of make it happen with light. Yeah, yeah. But the way it was at that moment, like an hour or two before we got married. It just, it just drew seemed, you in. Yeah. It seemed so divinely timed, too. It was mm -hmm. just so mm -hmm. neat. So, but these, well, that's these, what I was going to say. They're so symbolic. It makes me think yeah. like you're, you're, de you're definitely divining and receiving messages when that happens. These synchronicities. I mean, I really think that. Um, and I remember you posted you saw Bo, your 
you're oh, sorry. Oh, if I'm, fine. But yes, <laughs> you, millions when we're eating and there's a little <laughs> B and an O. And then when we are, I'm looking up at the clouds, there is a B and there's an O. And you know what's so funny is I've gotten so like S O, like yes. so what? Like a lot. <laughs> yeah. I know some of us see numbers. I know a lot of people mm-hmm. like 11, 11. I always see one, two, three, four. Every oh, cool. Day. I see. I look at the clock once a day and there it is. One, two, three, four. I look at some like license plate going by and it's one, two, three, four. I looked at my, my daughter was sort of named after a license plate because I kept hearing or seeing and hearing Isabel everywhere. And it was just like Mm -hmm. the last one was, it went by and I was like, really? Do I like that? And then sure enough, car drove by was on the license plate. I'm like, Oh my gosh. The confirmation. Yeah, of some of those and I can remember scrying. This is what I was thinking of in the shower this morning. I had a little ring and had a blue stone in it. And I remember like looking really close with my eye. I didn't know what the word scry was then. I'd never heard. Oh, it. no. Was- yeah, I know. I learned it from your show, um, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I'd always done it, too. Yep. And just looked into the stone. And I remember thinking like I saw a person in there and it was clearly like just reflections or my mind working and it didn't mean anything at the time yeah and I don't know if this was a scrying experience but it kind of was and this was my first truly premonitory experience that I can recall so I was I don't even know my age maybe third grade I'm guessing so maybe eight years old we had a bedroom that was that was upstairs um, and I had just a plain white closet so it was the middle of the night and maybe one in the morning, I'm guessing, I don't know. And I looked and the, the way the leaves and everything were moving um, the light through my room, it looked like fire. Like, you know how fire creates yes. the I of light? totally know, yeah. Yeah, and it was yellow and orange. It wasn't your typical color. I got so scared and I'm calling for my dad and I went running and I pounded on his door and he came upstairs and he's looking, he looked outside, he didn't see any fire. I went- Did he see it? He, no, he, he just says, it's just the, the light on the reflecting. And this happened another time. Um, I, I went down, I was convinced there was a fire. Um, and he got upset. He says, I need sleep. I've got to work tomorrow. I think this was about three in the morning. We lived on a, a almost a corn, like the road was straight for a long time. And it took, took a sudden 90 degree turn, just a few houses down from ours. So if someone didn't mm-hmm. know the street, if they went straight, they'd hit the woods, which um, I woke up. And I looked at the door again, and there's the fire. And I'm hearing crackling noises. And I am convinced time. I looked out. I see fire outside. It was a big, big fire. And I had never seen anything like that. So I'm shaking. I went downstairs. And, of course, my dad is not believing me at this this point and thinks that, you know. So he came upstairs, and he was not happy, but he looked out and saw it. And then we called 911 um, and it turned out it had been a car that went into flames Oh my gosh! and hurt in that accident. But then it made me wonder like, why that day did I, why that night, just hours before did I think I saw fire and never in my life have I ever thought I saw fire. And that was just kind of weird and freaky. And I didn't know what it meant or what it was, but that was probably the, the first time I really started wondering, like, is there something to this? And, you know, since then, I'd had little dreams and things that came true later. They weren't always big, significant things. Sometimes they were little moments, almost like people have deja vu, but I could tell you about them before and then they would happen. Mm-hmm. Um, had one about my now husband years ago. 
and it was something that happened later. And I told him it had happened, but um, the dream was really short. And in my dream, we were sitting in these two white, like Adirondack chairs. We were looking out over, it looked like a big field, a big flat area. And I had had this dream probably 20 years before reuniting with him. And he just looked at me. He had like this gray goatee. So I figured he was in my dream. I, I was younger. So I thought he was maybe 70 or something. And <laughs> older than I you have no concept when you're young. <laughs> and the word harmony went across like a calligraphy harmony. And that was a whole dream. But I was trying to think like, what was in front of us? Was it like a big wheat field or a farm or something? And um, when I met him, he um, didn't have the goatee, but he grew it that same year. I'm like, that is so weird. Like that is just like in my dream, that little, like exactly the same shape and it's coming in white. It looks so much like it. And that summer we were sitting in two Adirondack chairs in his little cottage. Um, and they just belonged to the cottage. And we were looking out over this big lake. It was like big oh, black wow. lake. And he looked over me and gave me the smile. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like that is exactly that moment. Oh, wow. It's somehow this is time warp. Where your brain can see yep i was doing a reading on somebody and we were talking about a relationship and the word all i kept hearing was quagmire quagmire like i don't even know <laughs> what that word means i goes let's get a dictionary when we were done i go let's just see what like the definitions are and it talked about being stuck in the mud not being able to move and i'm like well that just fit whatever yep, that, wherever yep, that came yep. from like it fits yeah i remember doing that since i was a kid and often the birds would tell me I mean, literally, they. I would hear them saying a word. I didn't know what the word meant. And then I, that would prompt me to look up the word and it always fit. Wow. I've never had that happen. That's, a, that's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. That's- like I almost learned vocabulary inadvertently through listening to the birds. <laughs> I can't explain it, but yeah. I would hear a word maybe I heard somewhere before and never really paid attention. And then I would pay attention when the birds. <laughs> so. Yeah, it was tapping into something for you. So I memorize all the 330 something Northeastern American bird songs and calls. And I was going to say, because I know you're a bird person. I, I am yeah. the same way. I'm, I love bird language. And that's why Enrique is so fascinating. Yes. And so yeah. when, I, when I'm with someone and there's a certain bird in the corner, I'm identifying the bird and I'm noticing the bird yeah. as they're talking. And I feel a little right, bad right. for the person because I'm so <laughs> hyper interested in noise, right. music, um, water sounds like rain sounds I just want to experience it and when people are talking sometimes I wish they just give it a moment because so well tell me about how you read cards like I mean you've told me here bits and pieces but you had wanted to uh you said you had some ideas (laughs) like what are your favorite cards what do you think about the elements well here's the thing um when I read cards I don't know that anybody taught me to read them the way I ultimately ended up reading them. I mean, I learned all the meanings. I learned all of the, the suits and elements. And I learned, you know, what the courts and the, I, I did all that learning. And yet when it came down to reading a person, I have a certain spread that I always like to use. And I never read just one card in one position. So I tend to read a minimum of four tarot cards for every one position. So if there is, um, if I want to look at their now, their situation as it is, I put down four cards. And the first thing I see is a sentence. 
four cards create in order, bum, 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 one, two, three, four. The woman is concerned and anxious about the man leaving. It's like just based on the four cards and what they mean, but I condense it down to that one word. And so, I'll just. I just so, want to ask, so what is the message that's giving you the word? Is it a visual prompt or is it just like, it just comes? Yep. So let's say it's um, the queen of swords is the woman. You get the nine of swords is anxious or concerned. That's the woman laying in bed with all the swords. And yeah. she's thinking about a man. So maybe it has the knight of cups um, is leaving and it shows like the eight of cups where somebody's walking away. So I get these four cards and instead of going to each of the four cards, I'm like, tell me if this makes sense to you. Cause if they come in without a question, I'm willing to see just what pops up. The woman is concerned about a man leaving. Yeah. Or if That's a really good around. technique. I really like yeah. this. With tarot, do you um, gravitate sword a, towards a I said sword. <laughs> do you gravitate towards a suit, a certain suit or element? Um, especially like when you when you, I always like to say like, what kind of phase are you in now? With like, what queen are you? Or for instance, you know, because um, I feel like I've changed and I have different. You do. Um, I relate to different Queens at different times. And I've noticed that, um, you know, and I'm just saying Queens just because I feel like that's what I've earned in life at this point. <laughs> and even moment to moment, you can change or even person mm -hmm. to person, you can be with one person and feel so much the queen of cups and you're helping them out. And the next minute right. you turn around and someone's exactly. and you're the queen of swords. And yeah, like, no, I've been in different roles in my life. Yeah. And that's when I noticed it. I was like assisting children and I was the queen of pentacles. And then, um, that was sort of my teaching queen. And then, uh, and then I, um, I feel like I was naturally queen of swords, just sort of had been through some crap and, um, just had yeah. a certain mentality that was like, yeah, no more. I, you know, cut it. <laughs> yeah. So, and I think um, it's healthy to have all those things like that type, the queen of swords has always kind of been my patron card. But, you know, and I do have other elements, you know, the, the Queen of Cups, I have certain parts and I, I used to have the rescue archetype where I wanted to rescue mm. every little broken mm -hmm. thing. Uh, but the yeah. Queen of is when I'm at my happiest. When I was doing my podcast, um, those are very creative sparks, learning, um, expanding, trying to spread the fire, you know, out. So everybody was getting like, like ignited and, and happy and like learning. And I just felt it was a very um, Queen of Wands. Period. Yeah. Yeah. Some people like I, you know, you being an Aries, a fire sign and my podcast partner's a Leo. And I just feel like um, when I'm kind of depleted and, and missing that element, um, that solar plexus, like, like the gemstones would help you emanate. Sometimes I feel like I'm really lacking in that, especially post COVID and just the exhaustion and everything that I go seek that out environmentally to like fill that, you know, and then that helps me become that. Yeah. Yeah. And I know what was it you, you were interested in life after death and experience. Oh yes, yes, yes. Yeah. So I've studied thanatology, right. And that's the, um, that I got a master's in it's death, dying and grief. So absolutely. That's me. That, that's another thing. Since I was very young, I remember reading um, Dr. Moody's books on life after life, I think it was called that started the whole thing for me. But the whole mediumship and what it means and, and what 
what happens to us after we die and the experience of can we still experience the people here after we go that whole thing has always been again it's like i don't like the word obsession but it's i always keep finding yeah. myself going back there and thinking about these other i feel uh, like those of us who it's a spark and just have always had it and we always gravitated towards those metaphysical <laughs> mystical experiences <laughs> And it happens to all of us. I mean, there is none of us who will not experience death, either to the people around us and, and ultimately our own. You know, it's very. Yeah, you can have living loss, too, like um, oh, where yeah. you're grieving the thing that your hope or dream or your, uh, you know. Yeah. yeah. And I, I remember um, back when I was, I don't even know how old I was when I first read the books. I want to say late middle school, early high school, Dr. Moody's Life After Life, the books about medium, not, he's not a mediumship. It was like what happens to us out of body experience, the tunnel, all that mm-hmm. was fascinating to me. Um, I learned when I was going through, um, I, well, this, I'm going to back up a little bit. Uh, there was a point when I felt I was extremely spiritual and it was hard for me to think, outside of anything that was spirituality. I thought it was all spiritual and we were just having this physical experience in the spiritual world. And mm-hmm. then that was like a flip-flop for me. And there was a period of time when I felt, well, no, I'm not spiritual. I don't feel spiritual at all. And I was reading cards and doing everything. Everybody thinks is spiritual. Like I'm you're like, going through the motions almost. Yeah. I think there's a scientific, I was still as like jazzed up over them, but I'm like, I think there's, there's gotta be a scientific experience explanation for this like I think anybody can mm. do this I really think there's science to this we haven't figured out how to measure yet I think there's something here and then I even started to question like what happens after um we pass and I when I started doing psychic circles back in that time when I was starting to open my mind more to what are my own possibilities and in this particular psychic circle, what we would do is we pay a fee. I think it was $15 or something. It wasn't very much. It was maybe a two hour night every Wednesday or once a month on Wednesday or something. And you'd sit in a circle. So let's say there were 15 people in the room and you'd sit face to face. It was almost like speed dating. So you'd be face to face with a person you'd never met. And there was a whole circle of pairs like this. And what she said was, okay, so now for five minutes you're just going to tell that other person whatever you see whatever you feel just let your brain dump and all the other person is allowed to say is yes I can confirm that or no not that I know yet it's, you wouldn't even I don't even think you could say no I think it was not that I know yet because <sighs> if you get shut down you will stop because you're insecure but we just let you talk talk oh, and I then believe that done, yeah yeah so then when you're done you would tell the other person anything that felt like you could like mark as valid and other parts that maybe they were closed, but not on point or if things just didn't apply at all after they had already like let it all out. And then you would switch roles. Then the other person would do it. What I learned through that, and I wouldn't have ever known this unless I had that experience is that every person that I was with, when I would close my eyes, take a couple of breaths and start describing people afterwards, when it was done, everything was about someone that had been deceased for them. I didn't go in there to do that. I didn't know that that was the case. And I wasn't seeing living people in their life. For some reason, my brain went there. So I do think we each have a certain strength or a mechanism, just like there are some people who are athletic and some people who are musical. I think that part of our brain kind of leans one way. And I just 
current, that was the way my brain just naturally leaned, but I could your psychic brain or at least yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I just kind of like took that detour and went that way without me telling it to it just happened. So and other people would see things differently. There was some person that would describe your life in a painting almost he would say I see these colors and this is sky whatever. So everybody experiences it differently. And there is no mm-hmm. right and wrong. It's just who we are and how we experience that inner whatever it is. So yeah, wow. of ourselves. So yeah, and the whole I, I think the life after life thing has always been an ongoing little curiosity thing, big curiosity thing for me, what happens the physical experience and then the long ongoing connection. Yeah. Yeah. So that would be called continuing bonds. Have you ever heard that term? I'm not, I don't know how it applies to life after death. So I'd be interested in hearing how you apply that. to life That after was death. in our um, like grief studies, um, continuing bonds with someone who has passed on. So you're basically, it's based on the attachment theory where you're attached in life. And sometimes grief can become really complicated and detrimental if that attachment bond is super, super strong. It's almost, it's obviously going to be harder for that person to process the grief. And, and Mm -hmm. um, when that person is suddenly not in their life anymore. So the Mm -hmm. idea of continuing bonds is simply that that person still exists Mm -hmm. and you have to figure out a way to um, adapt to the change of the relationship with them in spirit and you here living. Mm -hmm. So you can do things like develop rituals where you pour them. It's like people do with their ancestors, you know, Um, but you're doing an intimate, what you did with them normally, you know, you, you, like I have a friend who met with her mom every, I guess, Saturday or Sunday morning, and they had tea together and they sat outside and So she continued doing that. And that was a suggestion from her therapist. And so that's the type of thing I want to work with, with like encouraging people to have those personal rituals that they don't just stop and expect to still feel good, you know, and feel like they're connected where they continue having the relationship, they continue the bond, and then it's not so painful. Beautiful. Yeah. And I think too, I mean, even I try sometimes a process like why do we need death and the whole purpose of death. And I think about it, it does allow it to grow and change as uncomfortable as death is. And even just one death, like I was thinking the most significant death in my life to date is one of my grandfathers. We were extremely close and years mm-hmm. ago when he died, I ended up, that was when I first started breaking out of dogma not he he always told me I was the oldest grandchild I set examples for the others so I was always worried about doing the wrong thing so even though I didn't mind like disappointing maybe my parents by taking a different path I was more concerned he would so when he passed I started to get braver with doing things and that's when I started getting more interested in intuition and tarot and I really feel I was trying to explain this to my son I was really starting to feel at that point I was authentically becoming myself because I was no longer living just to please him in his eyes. Uh, what it, you mean? We have to live for ourselves and we do so many things to please other people. And it's as a mother, I find myself now 
talking to my son in such a way where he asked me for some real solid advice. I'm like, I can't have you look back someday and say, I, I led you the wrong way. Like hey. have to go where your heart leads you. I can give you my opinion. I goes, but that doesn't mean I'm expecting you to do it because you have to live. You're the only yeah. one that can live your life. You're the only one that experiences it. So no matter what people say or judge, you have to live for you. Yeah. And back to social work. That's what I'm learning in this program too, is that it's not about people wanting to rescue and fix people. It's um, empowering them, giving them the tools saying, Hey, you have this strength in you. Like, do you see that? Like, and helping them identify what it is they already have the tools to be their own magician (laughs) and, and manifest what they want. I think the key is just knowing what you want. And isn't that a good parallel to when we do readings? That's really what we're doing is we don't want to just tell them and fix. Exactly. Yeah. That's a great point. Feel enabled, empowered so that they can take the reins and like you said, know the right questions to ask, know that they're looking at the right things. Sometimes we're so distracted by things that don't matter that we forget what's really in front of us. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's, It's hard to explain, but I have thought of it as sort of like the reason I like the cards is because it's not about me. It's just, it's a separate, like a third party almost where it's neutral. It's objective. I'm not the one giving my son advice. You know, it's like, no, it's what the cards say. It's in the cards or it's not in the cards. Right it's right here. I'm not telling you it is. It's exactly. So yeah. I love That's that. <laughs> not me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it makes me so in that sense, um, I don't know. I'm just really drawn to the, to that as a, a, a tool. Yeah. I find in the, the, the darkest points in my life, the, the parts where I felt really alone or had a really big something going on. That's when I would take out my journal and I have boxes and boxes of journals that I've written over the years. And it's almost like you go into this meditative state and you start mm-hmm. seeing the big questions. I had a big concern about my son the other day and I actually took out, I'm like, I'm going to take out, um, tight. Um, Oh my God, I'm forgetting the name of it. The I Ching. I almost called it the Tai Chi, the I Ching and started doing <laughs> readings on that. And it was like nailed it. It was right on. And it just allowed me to sink into this reading. Um, I remember going through some situations and I didn't feel comfortable sharing them with other people, but I could sit down in the back room. That's a good point. Yeah. Cards down, start writing. And sometimes just the process of writing and then going back and looking at what you've written. Sometimes I wouldn't even intuitively read what I saw on the cards. I would take out Mary Greer's book, Tarot for Yourself. There's a great glossary in the back. And I would just look at the cards and write down what it told me and then sit and read what it said. Mm, Okay. So almost like detaching and then connecting yeah yeah so it would not be me giving myself putting my stuff in there I just wanted to see like okay this is just what does the card say without my interference just a weird thing that a card that came up so I picked up um Joe Marchetti has a new deck what's not really new it was new to me the Mm -hmm. and um he has it on Etsy it's it's stunning and there are all these sepia cards and I was wondering I thought you know when I'm on with Eliza like I wonder if people can just like open up a card and see that that card might have something important to their life so even oh, that's a great idea and I did this card I don't know if you can see I know people aren't going to be able to see this but this is the four cups and there's a woman oh I love that card 
lot of gold. I relate to that card a lot. It's my moon. Iron, sorry, it's my rising sign deck. And really, yeah. And now in this particular card, there's a swan in the front, mm-hmm. and he's holding the sign of. I had to look this up. This cancer. Probably the sign of cancer. But can you see how he's holding it by a string? So it's a swan mm-hmm. with this um, holding the string. Well, there's been this swan that passed through our lake, and it landed on the next lake, and it has fishing line stuck in its beak and it's been on its neck so we've been trying to figure out ways to get rescue help to this swan I've been watching conversations online of people trying to get um the animal rescue animals so they can remove the the filament and then get it back into the the Mm. wild so and that that happened just that day that's crazy it has nothing to do with the four cups but the image itself, I'm like, what are the odds that I would pick yeah. the card? Yeah, sometimes it's like that. Like the it's meaning, so gets, yeah. it bypasses it. And it's like, no, no, I need to let you know about this. <laughs> but then what if we what if we um, looked at the meaning and apply it to that situation? How do you see that? I mean, it may have nothing to do with that. Or, I mean, it could be that we are, with the four cups, we're always... It's, it's almost like apathy or not caring. Mm-hmm. So maybe and that really- and the girl in the card is smiling. I've never seen that. Yeah, it's, it is. And it's almost, but it's like people watching and enjoying this. But I, I also don't know if the card has all the meanings or if it's just that's the important thing my eye went to. Maybe it does have other meanings. And the four cups does have to do with something's being offered, but it's yeah. not being accepted. So maybe we want to offer it. And it really doesn't want anything to do right. with people. So it's not right. letting the people in. I mean, it could be that. Oh, that's really interesting. That's good. Yeah. So that was just an interesting thing. And my point in that was that, you know, you can study the tarot and you can go as deep as you want to go forever. As long as you want to do it, there's more to learn. Or if you just want to pick it up and say, like, what does mm-hmm. this mean for my life right now? And then know nothing about the cards and see some little image in there that gives you direction you know, something nice to do for somebody. If you're like, what can I do to help? So when you look in there and you see a little something in there, it gives you an idea, you know, yeah, whatever yeah, it's is. Fantastic. you don't even have to know the meaning. You can just, and you can start seeing it everywhere. Like you could start, like we see faces and things <laughs> or, you know, figures exactly. and things like you pick it and then you'll notice you'll start. Or like I heard birds saying words that I needed to learn, you know, like it's kind of like that where you draw a card and then you you'll start to take notice of it in your life. Yeah. So you can almost do it the other way around. Like you were saying, when, when you're living the podcast, because you're talking about the content of that card and it starts mm-hmm. happening. Um, it's the almost world. like you were making yeah. that happen. It becomes our Oracle. There's billboards, there's license plates. There's, yeah. Some, yeah. there's something someone says as they're walking by, you know, and the purpose of that is just to make our lives richer and filled with meaning and where we, we notice connections more, I guess. Just pay attention. Yeah. Just yeah. pay just allow the